You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a bite-sized podcast that brings you real-world insights that help go-to-market professionals evolve and stay up-to-date on the latest trends. Join us as we share best practices and proven techniques from industry experts and practitioners. Today's episode is made possible by Demand Matrix. Demand Matrix helps you complete your data stack with technographic, intent, and revenue potential data to help you accelerate revenue. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Sunny Side Up. I'm your host, Meetul Shah. Today, I'm super excited to talk to Anish Jeriwala about the secret ingredients of success in marketing. Anish is a digital marketing executive with strategy analysis and leadership skills developed from a range of industry and market experience. He's focused on improving digital engagement that translates into revenue using data, insights, and marketing technology. Anish currently is a Senior Director of Strategy Insights for Marketing at Anaplan, where he drives digital marketing-led growth initiatives to scale the business for a $1 billion in revenue. Anish is also an accomplished author of a book, The Marketing Data Lake. If you guys have not read that book, I would highly, highly recommend you read this book. Uh, it's a very, very practical you know, book. Very rarely I get to pick up a book which gives you a very, very practical insight. So I definitely recommend, please go check out the book and, and read it. Anish, I'm super excited to talk to you. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you for having me this morning. So Anish, uh, you know, as I as I was, uh, you know, going through your book, you know, highly practical book, you know, very insightful, you know. So thank you first of all for writing, you know, and sharing your knowledge. How how did you come about writing a book? Because it's not something that you know you kind of just wake up one day and think about it. Right, right, absolutely. So first and foremost, thank you for having me on your show. And, uh, you know, writing a book was never the priority or it never even came to my mind. But the success we saw in this particular use case that we put together in B2B marketing for marketing and sales, uh, we thought uh, this could be a a value addition for a lot of B2B marketers. And we decided to uh, put it in a book and, uh, you know, people can use the solutions that we are offering in this book as a blueprint as they go through the marketing analytics maturity curve in their own organization. And uh, at very high level, this is the million dollar question that every CEO and CMOs are asking, you know, what's really working in marketing, right? Can you show me that, you know, we invested this many uh, millions of dollars or uh, in marketing and what is the return on investment in marketing, right? So that was the guiding light uh, for this book and uh, how to make salespeople more productive, right? Because marketing has so many insights nowadays, there is so much data collection that happens. And uh, the big takeaway for us is if we can make our salespeople productive using this information, then it's icing on the cake. And I think that should be the goal of any marketing organization, especially in B2B, is uh, trying to help sales out, not only that, but giving them the data and insights so they can be very, very productive. I I, I couldn't agree more. I, I really love this whole aspect of ROI, you know, for marketing because in general, that is the question that keeps coming up, right? Yeah. Okay, then how do you define or how do you gauge the ROI, you know, for, right. for marketing? And uh, um, if you think about internal use cases, you know, the big question is... Um, 
you know, how can you measure the blood pressure of the marketing organization, right? And uh, you go to a doctor and you can tell them for the next five minutes, you know, what's wrong with your health and so on and so forth. The first thing that they will do is go and measure the blood pressure, right? And same thing, if you use this book, you can measure very quickly the blood pressure of the marketing organization, especially in B2B. That's 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 fantastic. So, you know, coming back to the current way of marketing, right, like traditional marketing and how people are doing it, this question always keeps coming up, right? The MQL versus SQL and who's right. And, you know, marketing is supposed to focus on MQL and sales always complains about that, you know, that's not what they really wanted and they wanted SQL and, and whatnot. So it's kind of getting old, according to me, in B2B. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's a great question. I think in B2B, again, I think when we talk about B2B, there are so many segments within B2B. And uh, if you are a, say, you know, SaaS company or software company, and you are trying to sell into, say, Fortune 2000 companies, um, and what I call enterprise uh, prospects or customers, then probably MQLs and SQLs are not that relevant, because in these big companies, the deal sizes are a lot bigger, and probably many people are involved in making a decision, what I call the buying centers or the buying teams, right? Probably serious decision has said that there are six to eight people are involved in any buying decision in big corporation. Uh, so for that reason, I think MQLs and SQLs probably are not that relevant. And... Uh, if you think, if you add one more layer uh, in SaaS business is new versus expand, right? And if you think about expand part of the business, means they're already a customer and you're trying to upsell or cross-sell something to them, then I think MQLs and SQLs are completely irrelevant because uh, they already know you, who you are. They're already using your service and you're trying to cross-sell and upsell. Uh, that's where I think account-based marketing can have a lag up because, you know, you are not talking to one person, you are talking to the buying team, if you will. Uh, so account-based marketing play a critical role, I think, in years to come, especially if you are targeting enterprise customers. Um, in my opinion, MQLs and SQLs are probably relevant um, if you are trying to sell to small businesses and your offering is of lower price point. So the decision maker is only one person and he can make the decision, then absolutely, I think uh, MQLs and SQLs make sense there. So that is my take on MQLs and SQLs. That's 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 very interesting, right? I mean, like, you know, smaller companies, larger companies, the whole model of ABM. And, you know, we have heard about ABM a lot, right? And I think it's getting to a point where people have, if I can call this like ABM fatigue, right? Don't, don't talk to me about one more ABM idea, you know, right, in right. that. But if you think about from traditional marketing to going to ABM, right? One to many versus, you know, very focused group of accounts that you're going after. Mm. And if you're wrong in that, you know, in that ABM discovery process, then I think, you know, you're not only going to miss numbers, but there are going to be some large consequences, you Absolutely. know, that's coming out from that. So you have so to do how... your homework, you know. I think the critical point here is you have to do your homework in account selections, right? That's very, very important. And, uh, you know, account-based marketing, again, as you said, is a buzzword, right? It has, but the philosophy or thinking has been there for years. You know, the marketing 
Uh, yes, I understand has changed significantly in last 15, 20 years, but the fundamental of marketing has never changed, right? Mm. And that's the crux here that, you know, we talk about account-based marketing, but I would say take it one step further and say account-based everything, whether it's customer success, marketing, or sales. It's very interesting. So in, in that model, like account-based everything, where you're going and, and you're really you know, have to prioritize and make sure you do a really good job in account selection. How do you figure out the right accounts and how do you gauge even interest in, in those accounts? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, um, uh, you know, a very uh, relevant question uh, in this uh, new pandemic situation that we are in. I think there are so many different data sets available. Number one, uh, I think uh, at a company strategic or uh, strategy level, they need to decide, you know, are we going to go after enterprise customer? Are we going to go after mid-market or we are going to go after, say, you know, small businesses, right? And once that decision is made and uh, you have so many data points now, you know, to look at it, for example, uh, you can look at the traffic to your website as a first mm-hmm. data point, right? And looking at your traffic to your website and if you use any reverse IP lookup technology, then you can tell that, you know, the people, companies that are visiting uh, your site, uh, what is the percentage mix of, say, Fortune 2000 versus versus medium businesses versus small businesses, right? And that tells you a very good indicator. It gives you that uh, if not many enterprise companies are visiting your site and if you are going after enterprise customers, then it's going to be a daunting task because they are not uh, aware of your offering and they're not visiting your website. So I think that is the first litmus test that you can use is uh, kind of corporate traffic and percentage mix between different in uh, company sizes that you get on your website. Uh, what industry um, uh, seg- uh, segments are visiting your website? That pretty much tells you that, you know, you, are you resonating with oil and gas versus you are resonating in, high-tech businesses, right? And what I call uh, all these data points is the first-party uh, intent data, right? Uh, because they are visiting your website and that is a proprietary data for yourself and you can use this data set to make the business decision. The third most important, second most important thing is the intent data, right? And probably you are aware of it. Intent data has started showing up in the last two or three years and that is, I think, gaining steam uh, in the recent time. But you can look at intent data and see, you know, that offering that you have, uh, what kind of uh, company sizes it resonates with, right? So I think those are the key indicators I would use, first-party data and third-party data set in order to crystallize that what is the TAM or what kind of go-to-market strategy you should have in any organization. Yeah, we we, we couldn't agree more because as a, you know, as a one of the intent organizational intent data producer. I mean, we see this behavior every day um, as to how do you mix and match, you know, first and third party intent, and how that actually helps you helps companies really prioritize, focus, you know, on the TAM right accounts and and whatnot. Um, but coming based on that, like, how should you know, so if you figure out that, okay, based on account prioritization, like who's coming to your site, what area, what vertical, what, uh, you know, you should target, which is which are great, you know, data points and, and insights in organizations would figure out. 
would that change the priorities for a marketing organization? Yeah, absolutely. Because um, once you have uh, access to what I call first-party data from your website and third-party intent data, then as a marketing organization, you can develop your go-to-market plan, GTM, working with sales and say, you know what, this is what we are seeing and this is where the biggest bang for the buck is uh, for the corporation is to go after uh, small and medium businesses or you want to go after enterprise businesses. And again, it's a different sales motion, as you know very well, right? That if you're trying to sell into enterprise uh, customer, probably the long lead cycles uh, and uh, it could take at least few quarters for a deal to come to fruition. And number one, and number two, probably there will be fewer deals in enterprise segment as compared to small businesses, but your average deal size could be a lot bigger, right? So there are a lot of different permutations and combinations and ramifications uh, one has to go through in order to have a very effective, what I call go-to-market plan, working with sales and the leadership team uh, at a uh, given organization. Very, very interesting. So is that, you know, is this like if you were to kind of summarize as to what are some of the trends and the changes you're observing? Are are these some of the, the newer trends you're observing or there are, you know, there are some additional trends that, you know, you're seeing because of even COVID right now, you know, yeah. in marketing? No, so I think these are the newer trends that are emerging. And the reason is because, you know, let's face it, in 2015, when we wrote a book, uh, there was no intent data. I, I don't know if that <laughs> even the word existed in marketing, something called quote-unquote intent data, right? So I think the world has changed upside down in marketing. There is so much data. And the biggest thing you can do as a marketer in 2020, and if you are uh, into enterprise segment or even small to medium businesses, you can provide intelligence to sales teams, right? So they can be more productive. Uh, the way I look at marketing now than ever before, and if I have to use a sports analogy uh, from soccer or basketball, is marketing has to give crisp passes or assists to sales organizations so they can go and score points. And scoring point is closing the revenue, right? And I think marketing is in the unique place where they can provide this information to salespeople so they can be more productive. Got it, got it. So if I'm somebody, you know, or who's newer to marketing or listening to this podcast, you know, or, or if I'm a marketing leader, you know, in this area, would my chat talent requirement change based on this newer invent of technology situation? Where does uh, would, would, does that my talent need change? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, the critical uh, talent that you really need now, I think number one is the content creation, right? That's a very, very important piece is can you create a compelling content? If somebody re reads your ebook, or any material from your website through uh, email program or paid program, whatever it might be. But if somebody reads your content, does it resonate with that person or persona, right? So the content creation has been there for years. That has not changed at all in marketing, right? The second most important thing that has come is 
effectiveness of this content. How do you measure the effectiveness of content? Same content can be on the website. It can be delivered through paid media or it can be delivered through email channel, right? And uh, how, what is the effectiveness of content through data and insights? I think that has the new piece and you can put a dollar value to this content. Um, I think these are the two most important things that really matter in marketing is the content creation, number one, and number two, how can you measure the effectiveness of this content? That is that is such an astute observation because I mean every time you know you talk to a marketer they would always talk about more number of leads and how can they generate more leads and whatever right how can they give better quality leads to the to the to the sales and so forth but very rarely I see you know people talking about content that's the genesis or the pillar before any of these creation can happen. Yes, and I think. Um... I would like to say, you know, I have my uh, three C's that I use internally for my own work. Um, what I want in these three C's, the number one is common sense, right? Mm. Um, you know, Which is very uncommon. Correct. Uh, second, consistency <laughs> in your messaging, right? And number three, clarity in your um, content, right? And uh, common sense, consistency, and clarity, what I call three C's. And they are in short supply. And those have never changed in the last 50 years of marketing. <laughs> Actually, I would say, you know, forget about marketing. I think you can apply this to your life, anybody's yeah. life. And I think Correct. you'll be fine. Common sense, <laughs> consistency, and clarity. There you go. There you go. Um, so as a, as, a, as a final note, you know, into this podcast, you what are what are some of the secret ingredients of success in marketing in today's age that where we are where we were sent home without any plan right and we were told to figure out stuff i'm talking covid-19 and nobody has any idea nobody has seen this world before so it's not that there is any experience you can you know bank on so what does what is the, what is the secret ingredient of success in marketing in the time that we are in. Yeah, I think it's an unprecedented time. And again, frankly, I've never experienced what I'm experiencing now. Uh, if you think about 2008 or 9-11 economic impact, right? this is something unique. Um, and I think there are quite a few challenges in the business. But again, going back to the basics um, in marketing, and I think the brand building still is very, very important. Very important uh, is um, your analyst relations and PR, right? And how can you build a buzz about your product or offering or company, right? And it doesn't have to cost arm and the leg. And uh, I think that can pro provide a very strong halo effect uh, to business or to your marketing activities. Uh, brand building is important in good times, but I think brand building is more important in critical times like uh, the current situation we are in. And it can provide you the breathing room, if you will, as you go and um, work on your internal efficiencies, if you will, and get ready for the good time. Right. So again, uh, brand building has been there for years, uh, and I strongly believe that you know investing in your brand, PR, and analyst relation will take you much, much further uh, in this given situation we are in.
I think we can do the whole show on on this uh, on on this three aspect as to how do you do analyst relationship brand building and a PR. So I think uh, I think these are these are some very very critical points and you know some astute observation and insights. So with that, Anish, thank you so much. You know, thank you so much for being on our show. I really enjoyed having uh, you on a podcast and having this conversation. Yes, thank you for having me on the show today. Thank you for your time. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Sunny Side Up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review us and share these insights with your peers.